Hello, I'm Amanda Hill-Rao with You Choose You Now podcast. During my podcast, I've shared my journey about how I chose myself and came back home to realize my worth, my value, and to get over my limiting beliefs. But I realize as a human being, we're all connected. We're all made for connection. And so I'm delighted to share my first interviews with my guests. People who are in their own journey have found that they have come back to themselves and realized their value, their worth. And I'm delighted to share their journeys with you to see what you can learn. Because after all, we are made to help one another in our awareness. You do you, I do me. But with our connections and our love and our compassion and being, we are built to become who we were meant to be. So I invite you to sit back, relax, listen to the guests, and find out how we are truly all connected. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of You Choose You Now. I'm so excited with our guest today. Her name is Gwen Wilcox, and I have actually worked with her. She does branding for Fortune 500 companies. She's won national and international awards. But most importantly, she helps you discover your core values so you can show up. And as a mother, I found how she mums and how she switches off from her work hat to her mother hat totally inspiring. So welcome to the show, Gwen. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. No, I'm absolutely delighted to have you. So tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and what is important to you. Well, first of all, who I am, uh, other than being a woman and a mom, I'm a daughter. I'm uh, currently an active cousin, a friend, and a mentor. I'm also always on a path of personal growth and development. Um, yes. You've already stated what I do, my doing part, and mm-hmm. I was just thought I'd state my beingness. <laughs> I love that. I think the beingness <laughs> is so much important than the doing. Yes, <laughs> yes. So, um, you know, but the other parts of me that I am an avid reader, I'm also just hugely curious about people and things. And I have a love of learning that shows up in every single assessment I do. I, that, that's just a joy to me. And I'm also a, a, a fine artist too. So I developed that at an early age. So why is discovery and self-importance, learning who we are, so important to you? Because we just never stop growing and all of the events that happen in our life do change us. Actually, yes. if no one's ever done this, I have the wonderful opportunity to have my palms read, my fingerprints read. And I'm, I'm curious, but I always mm-hmm. go into everything with a certain amount of suspicion or okay. uh, disbelief. And then I'm completely floored. Uh, and this was one of those opportunities. What I found out was not only are our fingerprints and palm prints developed before our skeletal structure is even complete. Wow, I didn't know that. But that events in our life can actually change the patterns in our hands. So if the patterns in our hands are changing, other parts of us molecularly, physiologically, mentally, and emotionally are going to be changed. You know, you have some great epiphany or you, God forbid, have a car accident. Sometimes the internal damage doesn't reveal itself to 15 10, 15, yes, 20 years no, later. I, I agree with that. So I think that's why. And I've, I've been different 
I, I don't, I don't want to say different people, but I've been, I've become more evolved yes. as with each new thing. Well, I think, I know you said you're a bit cynical, but I actually think you've got an open mind because you're willing and you're curious. And that curiosity is very childlike. And that's what I love about you. You have that childlike quality, which a lot of us lose. So why do you think structure is important in our lives and having routines set in place along the self-discovery path? Can I just go back for one second? Yeah, of course. You you asked me about what's important to me. And I think... In addition to that, I, I came up with this thing called a hinge, and yes. it stands for accountability, honesty, impact, no, the ability to say no, gratitude and empathy. And I realized if I don't have a hinge, those are the things that if you don't have them in place, you became un, you become unhinged. unhinged. <laughs> I think I was unhinged a lot of my life. How did you come up with that structure? I love that. Um, actually just. When you asked me what was important to me, and I'm very transparent, so I'm going to let your listeners know that, of course, you gave me a little peek to at least some of the questions, and I, I really gave it a good thought because I thought to myself, "What you know, what what is really important mm. to me?" And those things really, really are. And I just put the letters there, and I love words, and it yes. just came out a hinge. And I went, hmm. "You know, creativity. What can yes. I say?" You are. You're blessed with that. I have to say. So what structure would you have in your day that helps you? Oh, structure in my day. Well, I'm going to be honest. You know, I really resist structure. Okay. But I thrive in it. Mm. And I think that that is a dichotomy that is probably universal. Yes. And (laughs) epidemic. For me, the reason I think I grew up in a very chaotic home. Right. And so what little structure I thought there was got completely upheavaled mm-hmm. in a moment's notice. So that because that was familiar. Sure. I didn't really value structure actually until I was about 23 years old and I went to a very disciplined school, Art Center College mm-hmm. of Design in Pasadena, California. And, you know, if you didn't have your stuff on the curtain rail and sitting in your seat by nine o'clock, the door shut and it was not going to be unlocked no matter wow. what. It was very, very regimented. And that was to dispel the myth that creative people were flaky. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And I think that then the second thing that really impacted me is when my daughter went to, I enrolled her in a Waldorf school. Mm-hmm. And boy, that just made me want to be little again. But they did everything, like their snacks. Like on Mondays, it was oatmeal day. On Wednesdays, yes. it was something else. And I, and I drove me nuts. And then I saw what it provides. It's a security for the children. It's a security yeah. and a safety. Mm-hmm. And there's so much about our day that we have no control over that yes. just having that to know that whether it's your morning coffee and you know you go sit on the chair that the sun has glistened on for 10 minutes so that when your butt hits it, it's nice and warm. I mean, yeah. just those little teeny grateful things make a huge difference. So I have a few structures that I do in the morning. I'm happy to share them. I do what's called a shamanic shaking. Mm-hmm. I do it twice, once to release the energy and then a second time to stimulate energy. 
And when I first did it, I felt so silly, but actually freaking works. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes during the day, if I get agitated by something, I'll just stand up shake and it do off. that. Just I do that with off. the children in the class when, you know, they're getting angsty yeah. and you, you, they've been sitting too long. Your yeah. body wants to move. Just shake and, it out. And sometimes I literally, you know, like when you're two and you have those tantrums yeah, 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 and yeah, you yeah. do that, I will do that sometimes. I'll do it on my bed. And it's, it's almost like a little high. Yeah, it yeah. gives you a little high. But I know I do think that's important because it's releasing a lot of the emotions mm-hmm. and what the pent up energy that needs mm-hmm. to be released. And, and it beats going other... for a five mile run in my yeah. case. I try to walk. I try to get outside and look far away for, for two reasons. Because seeing a horizon, seeing vastness, seeing potential visually, potential mm-hmm. really sets my mind straight. And also, a lot of people might not know this, but I was taught this by a behavioral optometrist that your eyes are a muscle. So yes. every, every 20 minutes, you should look far away. And it rests for 20 them. 20 seconds. Yeah. A way of calming them down and resting them because that's one of my practices that I do using oh, you know, the five senses. And it just literally, because you're not focusing on anything, you're not overtaxing anything. Another little uh, thing is you can, Rub your hands together, create some friction and heat, and then put them over your eyes because, you know, we don't blink when we're looking at the computer screen. I think it's important not to give yourself too many choices. Mm. Uh, and this goes back to raising my children. I always think about the story. My daughter, I had this friend and we had our, our daughters were the same age and they would come over and it was like bath time. Yeah. And my friend would say to her daughter, so, you know, Julie, do you want to take your clothes off yourself or do you want mommy to do it? Julie, do you want to step, get in the tub by yourself or do you want mommy to do it? Do you want to, you want the blue washcloth or the white washcloth? Yeah. Do you want to the, and it would just try. It's overwhelming and it would I take mean, it's such a long time. I, I think the only choice I gave my daughter is do you want to count to five before you go in the tub or 10? And that was it. That was the only choice. Sure. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> But I do think it creates anxiety. And I think the same thing for us, even as grown-ups. Like, too I, much choice I is to... overwhelming. And too many tasks. Yeah. And too especially for a little one, you know, she just needs to get clean. You know, I, w- I thought you were going to say, does she want rubber ducking with her or, you know, a floaty oh dolly God, or whatever. She, I mean, my daughter would be done and out of the tub before the other woman's daughter <laughs> was in. <laughs> I love that. No. But we did do a lot of water play. My daughter still remembers. I used to, I don't know, I was very sneaky in a good way. We would play magic. And you know those colored stacking cups? You know, they're yes. yellow and orange. Yes, yes. Okay, so all moms, listen up. Your kids are going to love this. So you go and you get food coloring. And you put it, a red cup, you're not going to yes. see the red food coloring. Just put a little bit, a little water. Yes. And then you get an empty cup and you just say, I'm going to make magic. And you pour the water from the bathtub and it turns red. Oh. And then you can actually add the red. Yeah. Or, sorry, the yellow and the blue and then it makes green. Well, it's just like a wonder. Wonder. I, yeah. And that discovery, don't, please don't explain to your children. We want them just to have that magical imagination, especially at that stage. It's so important. Yeah, no, I love to, that. Imagination is great. I remember when my daughter was in uh, Waldorf school and we came out, we were on our way to school one morning and she's, and it was really foggy. And she said, mommy, where does, where does that come from? And first I wanted to give her the scientific yes, explanation. Yes, you know, I started yeah. to say, well, and I stopped myself. 
Good. And I said, well, you know what, honey? When we go to bed, the, the fairies come out and play. And sometimes, just like you don't want to go to bed, they don't want to have to give up their time, playtime either. And so they wait. Sometimes they wait to the last minute because they can't be seen by anyone. And they whisk off so fast that they leave their fairy dust. Oh, I love, oh, but that is just gorgeous because we don't need to know all the facts, you know, as a child. If we can have that creative wonder, you were a joy as a mom, I have to say. My daughter believed in Santa to the age of 13. Yeah. Well, mine did to the age of 10 or 11. And then at 12, he said no. And then literally that Christmas, no presents were under the tree. And this year, I I said, well, that's all. No Santa. (laughs) And then this year, he went, I believe in Santa. And he left all the things again. Of course, all the presents were back there. So I mean, I think, I think, first of all, parents... If you can do that kind of magic for your children, you get to reparent yourself too. Totally. And it also allows you to have your imagination as an adult, which Mm -hmm. we're restricted Mm -hmm. in. And I love that about you. Your whole energy is amazing. Oh, thank you. One last thing. I know we're spending a lot of time here, but I think it's important for those moms and and dads or grandparents, because a lot of grandparents are raising children now. Teach your children transition structure. When my daughter was younger, her dad and I unfortunately split up and she would get very anxious when it was time for him to, to leave. So one of those things I did was I created a transition activity. So when she came home, we would roast marshmallows in the fireplace. Mm-hmm. And so instead of her focusing on what she was leaving or giving up, she had something. She had something to look forward to. Whatever you can do, even for yourself, you know, if it's packing up your bag or having a cup of coffee, but you know, whatever it is, before you go to the next thing, you know, take take that take moment. time. Yeah, absolutely. The transition. Mm-hmm. I think that's brilliant advice. But you're inspiring me because as a teacher, I like to be a teacher. You know, in that sense of awe and wonder and discovery because that's what life is truly about but how do you want to show up for your children because I know they're not little anymore no it is it is different now that my daughter's 30 my son is 21 I never had that difficult time with my daughter we never had that well I shouldn't say never I think when she was about 24 she was scared to move on she's always been afraid to grow up and my son was always in a hurry to grow up they were very Opposite. Yeah, yeah. And one of the things that I said to my daughter, and then I would say the opposite to my son is, I promise you, mm-hmm. I would say this to my daughter, I promise you there will be enough time for you to be little. And then my son, I would say the opposite. I promise you there will be enough time for you to be big. But they both need something different from me. They, they come to me. And I never told my children that they were good at something if they weren't. Yes. Ever. And I would tell them I would never set you up to be disappointed. Yeah, Um, be honest. But instead of focusing on what they weren't good at, because, you know, they want to be like all the other kids. Sure. I would say, of course, you can learn anything, whether Mm -hmm. you excel it or not, you know, has everything to do with your determination. But I always reinforced what their gifts were. And so I would point out sort of like, you know, have you ever noticed how your, my son has this crazy recall 
And so I would say to him, you know, you have incredible recall and you have an incredible rhythm because he used to do this thing when he was doing his homework. He worked on this desk and it was this antique desk. And I noticed that there was this squeak and it would drive me crazy. But I started to listen to the squeak and he was actually creating a song with it. Wow. He was actually doing it in an intermittent way with a pattern so that it was actually a rhythm. Yeah, yeah. So what we realized is that he learns better when he's listening to music, not music with lyrics, but. Well, with a rhythm and a bass. Yeah, or, yeah rhythm, yeah. yeah, something. It's something to kind of, he's got a little bit of ADD. So it was like, it took the place of his leg going like this, sure, shaking, sure, sure. <laughs> you know, tapping. And then the other thing I taught them, they they still know that I am a safe haven. So mm. they know that there is going to be no judgment from me, wow. no matter what. My daughter still jokes about when she used to play, I forget what game it is, Assassin's, Assassin's Creed or something yes. like that. And I would say, honey, I don't care what you do, just be really good at it. And if you're going to be an assassin, just be a really good assassin. So that that... They know I'm a safe haven that way. And the other thing I told them when they were growing up, when, you know, we went through a, a tough time when we had to move for a job and we didn't, none of us had any friends. It was a very, mm. very hard time. And I did promise them one thing. I said, first of all, I promise you, I won't let anyone be miserable in this family. Oh. And that's the other thing. I would never say, but try, stop yourself yeah, from saying, a, but and say, that's a negative. Yeah. Yes. And well, it makes it conditional. Yes. Da 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 da. But you know, like it. Ooh, yes. Well, yes. it's Take retractable. It yeah. yeah. But I told them, let's agree to give this six months. So we all agreed mm -hmm. on a time. And then I said, any decision can be undone by making another decision. And it's as simple as that. Yeah, it really is that simple. Now I said, can it go back to exactly the way it was? No. No. But that's but, the past. Yes. You know, and that, that we've had that, and now it's time for a new adventure. What struck me there is that you acknowledge their gifts because children dismiss them, especially when they compare themselves with their friends and want you to be exactly the same. And we are all unique. And I think that as parents is a, something we can really give to them with love. Well, and the other thing too, Amanda, is that we, even as grown-ups, we don't really know what our gifts are because they're invisible to us. So yes. when someone asks you, you know, hey, Amanda, how do you do, and whatever that mm -hmm. blank word is, right? How do you do, and your answer is, I don't know, I just do it. Yeah, it's That's instinctive. That's your gift. Exactly. That's your gift. Yeah. That's and we're the last people gift. to know it. So the fact you can see it, observe it, and, you know, talk about it so they're aware, they bring their awareness to us. You know, self-discovery is all about awareness, mm -hmm. observation. Mm -hmm. So yeah, but we, well, those are the things though that we tend to slough off because there's no effort. We, we're not putting any effort into it. So it's like, a, you know, how can that be credible? But is it because it might not be uh, deemed worthy by society? It might not get the results that society wants us to do. Whereas if you're creative, you know, in school, you know, when you're made to do maths and other things, but you need to express that's my dream for schools that children can just be allowed to be who they are and discover through their way mm -hmm. rather than our way. Yeah. I mean, I, when my daughter was very young, I was actually told by the preschool teacher that my daughter was a quote unquote, I'm using air quotes here, yeah. a problem. Oof. And I thought, how the heck my daughter is the easiest person. Like what is going on? 
She just didn't so I, conform to the way they wanted her to do it then. Well, both my husband and I went and we said, can we come and kind of help? Yeah. Well, my husband came home and he said, she's got so many rules, even I couldn't follow them. Oh, wow. And my sense was, having been raised by uh, with an alcoholic father in the household, my sense was that this woman was a recovered alcoholic because she had so many controls. Yeah. But I observed my daughter and my daughter was playing with Play-Doh and I could tell this woman was being saccharine, in, insincere, saccharine, effusive, you know, just, mm. and she was saying to my daughter, Oh, what are you doing? Cause my daughter was pushing the little figurines into Play-Doh yeah. and then smushing it. And she stood them back up and my daughter, she said, Oh, what are you making? Very patronizingly. And my daughter said, shadows. And I went busted through the door, <laughs> took my daughter out of there. And I said, excuse me. I think you're the problem. <laughs> I just took my daughter right out yeah. of there. Yeah. I think it's important to know when your child is not in the right environment, too. Totally. And if that means I homeschooled for a little bit, and while mm -hmm. that is can be difficult and challenging, I'm glad I did it. Yeah. You know? But you know your children best. And just because the school system, I mean, I'm a teacher, but I don't see the curriculum. I see the children in front of me. Well, and if something doesn't work, I say, well, we just don't do that way. Yeah. And show me what you want to do. And it's listening to them because you've got to realize what's there already. Mm -hmm. You don't need to change anything. I have this two page letter that I used to give every teacher to say, let me tell you who you're teaching. And I had to explain my daughter is part Asian. And I, I swear it's in her genes, this deferential. She wouldn't look someone in the eye. She yes, would just yes, talk yes. down, right? Yeah. So I would say, you know, she has to keep her hands busy, but she's yeah. listening. So you yes. can call at her at any time and she will tell you verbatim what you just said. The other thing that she didn't like, she didn't like a lot of people looking at her. So mm. I was told repeatedly, well, she's not participating. And I said, are you, do you have her seated in the back of the class? Cause she's the good one. And they said, yeah. And I said, what happens when you raise your hand? Everyone turns around and looks at you. And they looked at me like they had no clue. And I said, everyone turns so, around yeah. and looks at you. So if you want her to participate, put her in the front. Put her in the front. It's simple things like that, which I, I call common sense, but that probably is my innate gift, as you said, because that to me is just obvious because you get to know children and what works. And you want to understand them. I can tell. Yeah, yeah, totally. Oh, love them. Uh, now, you mentioned your dad. How did your own upbringing influence the journey of your life? Um, I have my mother's still alive. I have a narcissist for a mother, and I had an alcoholic for a father, and I'm an only child. So that means there were no witnesses. Right. So you can imagine. Yes. How did I survive? So I told my mom this recently, and I thought it would really devastate her. But she's a narcissist, so she was okay. <laughs> I said, you know, a lot of therapists actually in my path of, of self-discovery and, and personal growth, I can't tell you how many people I've have been my coaches, my therapists who said, you know, you should be really screwed up. up. And they said, what should you do? Like, you should be OCD. You should be, I mean, they went through the whole yes, thing. Yes. You should be this, this, and this. I said, I don't know how or where this idea came from, but I really truly believe that the hospital made a mistake and I was taken home by the wrong family. And these people were taking care of me the best they, they knew how, 
but my real family were, they just hadn't found me yet. Wow. And I really, truly believe that. And I, I don't, I don't remember for how long, but it allowed me not to take anything personally that was going on. And very early on, I saw the limitations of those around me that, and one of the things they didn't have was imagination. Yeah. I don't know how I knew that, but I always saw and still do so many possibilities. I mean, to this day, um, I still, I mean, I have trouble choosing because I have too many possibilities. <laughs> and my, my family felt uncomfortable. I was ostracized when I succeeded and I was embraced when I failed because that was more familiar and comfortable yeah, for yes. them. Yeah. Right. Which is one of the reasons why I moved to the other side of the country. I wrestle with, I think, I'm going to be honest. I wrestle, still wrestle with being seen. Because I think it's a just an onion to keep pulling back, you know. I think that part of that is that if you're you get ostracized, it's like calling you're bad because you're calling attention to yourself, kind of thing. So, which makes sense that I would choose a career that put me behind the success of other people. I was sort of the invisible part of you know putting your brand out there. But oh, I'm back here. That's kind of like yes, yes. But you see, I think you've shone as a mother. I think that's been your calling. Absolutely. I think I, I think I shared with you. I think it's the, the best job I've ever had. Now, well, before we discussed, you were talking about self-comfort when you're in a state mm-hmm. and you use questions to bring yourself out of your mind and in the past or the future and the worry back to the present moment. Can you share this with us? Because I thought it was sensational. Well, I, I have two. Are you talking about the, the checklist that I yes, taught yes. my children? Okay. Yes. So we all know when our children are sort of, uh, I guess, for lack of a better way, like acting out in some way or form, I would start to ask questions and we would go through the sort of inventory and I would say, you know, what's going on? And, the, you know, we would still be agitated and say, well, we, well, let's, let's check. First of all, when was the last time you ate? Like, are you hungry? And then it would be, are you, are you tired? You know, are you feeling okay? Is there any, you know, do you have pain? Are you, you know, are you getting sick? Are you coming down with something? And then, and if all of those answers were no, of course, if they were hungry, we'd take care of that. And we'd yeah. see, we, you know, we, we'd still can tick down the list. And then the very last question would be, do you need reassurance? It, you would see like this physical relaxation of the shoulders. Yeah. And then I would say, do you well, need You've seen them. You've seen yeah. them by saying that. Yeah. And I would, then I would ask, do you need affirmations or do you need a hug? And sometimes I could just tell, I wouldn't even have to ask that. I would just yes. say, do you need a hug? And they'd go, oh, yes. Oh. And then we would hug, like not one of those silly 30 second hug. I mean, yeah. like a good two minute hug, yeah. body to body, full contact, yeah. you know, and just maybe swaying a little bit, just that safety, almost like swaddling them. Right? You swaddled is. your baby when you were little, when you were little, it's that. But that connection, that, mm-hmm. and it is security. And we, even as adults, we need it. You know, when you're feeling mm-hmm. a bit off and you're in a bit of a mood and, you know, I can come down, my husband, you're right. And I'm part of me going, go away. But another part of me, which is the true me going, just give me a hug. But I'm in such a state, I can't get over the emotion to be that vulnerable to say, yeah, I actually need affirmation and reassurance because we still do as adults. 
We do, and we don't know how to ask for it because we think it makes us seem weak. But it's, you know, human contact is... It's vital. If a baby doesn't have uh, contact, you feed it, it'll die. Can I ask your your listeners to do this? If everybody could take your hand, just put your hand, palm down, kind of up in the air, and then with your other hand, make a fist and tuck it underneath. So it's almost like, you know, the rock, paper, scissors game where you've got paper and rock, right? Now do two things. Stiffen your hand at the rock, the fist part. Stiffen it. Okay. And just let your top hand just relax, but stiffen your bottom one. And now relax your bottom one. Still have a fist, but relax it. Your child, your baby can feel when you're tense, when you're holding (gasps) them with resentment or holding or holding in your anger. So the best thing to do is exhale four breaths out and really almost like you're attached, your skin's merged. And if you can't do that, then don't pick up the baby, pat them on the back. If you can't be present because that tension is rejection. That's hit me on a whole different level. And your husband can feel that, your mm. children. So it's really important that you don't let go until the other person's ready to let go. And then the other part of the self-comfort that we talk about too is, I think that this builds up or roughs up a, a word that I created called pre-resilience. So to be good at being resilient, you have to be able to signal or know when you're about to spiral. You know, mm-hmm. most of us don't know where we go there. Oh, so I'm fast. very good at knowing that. Doctors have told me, oh, you're so good at catching yourself. It's taken <laughs> years of practice. I know, isn't it? It's, but when you get it, it's like, yeah. oh, I'm oh. doing that thing, right? Yeah. But I, I do this. So I, again, there, there are six questions here. It's, uh, is it a matter of life or death? It's the first, like, you got to mm-hmm. tick, tick that box. The second question is, is it something uh, that, that needs to be resolved in the next 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And if that's no, you keep going. Yes. Okay. What about the next 10 hours, 10 days, two weeks? Okay. And then once you determine when the time, you'll actually feel yourself like relaxing because you're, you know, we, we, we can get ourselves really caught up in that anxious state. Right. Yes. But once you realize, Oh, okay. I've got time. I'm actually then, then, here now and actually here I'm safe. Yeah, I'm I'm safe. It's not like tsunami's coming and I've got two seconds to get out, right? But it can feel that way. Um, And then the next thing you ask is, you know, who or where do I need help? You know, could be three people. Just make a list and just like, okay, so within the next two weeks or, you know, so if you've got two weeks to resolve it, in the next three days, who do I need to talk, talk to her? In the next day, yes. do I, you know, what? A, just start to break it down because if you do it in small chunks, it's achievable. And then you, it's it's achievable, and you won't panic. Yeah, because that's panic. the trouble. Once you're in overwhelm and panic, nothing can happen because you're literally going to fright and freeze. Well, you can't think. Yeah. I mean, it's scientifically proven. <laughs> like all that blood is so busy being pumped into that adrenaline, it just it just cuts off your yes. Your reasoning circuitry. I think probably I somehow unconsciously or, you know, like I didn't have it that honed in when I was little, but I would kind of run through 
what is the impending threat right now? Mm. What is the next impending threat? The next yes. I mean, it's unfortunate when I was growing up, when I was with my dad, he would fall asleep at the, the wheel when he was driving. So I was always had this list of what would I do? What will I do if? Your alert system was always on. Always on. Yeah, yeah. always on. I'm, I call myself sort of like the Doberman pincer, you know, that you see yes. at the at, at customs, you know, they sniff out yes. Yes. stuff in the suitcases. When I walk into a room, if somebody acts out, it's like, oh, they've got something they're hiding. They're not in integrity because my being here is disrupting yes. something. Yes. Took me forever to figure out that that was a gift. It, it is, was, it is. It was but just, for a child, because it was learned behavior in a way to be safe yourself, but that's very wearing. But you've taken on all that from your childhood and turned it around. Oh, to yeah. Be useful, which I think is so commendable. So yeah. amazing. Yeah. It's kind of scary sometimes for other people. It can kind of be freaky. Like, how did you do that? Okay. My my daughter in her high school, she had a small class for like 60 some kids in her class. And she's a mom. We have to write something nice about everybody. And she said, I said, well, how many have you done? And she said, well, I've done about 24. I said, give me your yearbook. Yeah. I said, uh, give me the names. So I looked up the picture and I looked, I swear to God, she was sitting here. She would say, yeah, my mom did that. I looked at the picture and I said, oh, this person looks like they sit in the back of the room and they kind of don't pay attention, but then they'll say something funny and then the whole class turns around and starts laughing. Yeah. And you were and right. She says, yeah. And I but said, you so read faces there. Do you read eyes? I don't know. I guess I do. I can read people. Yeah. Yeah. I do that yeah. too. I don't do look you? at people's bodies. I look at people's eyes and I can tell a lot, lot about their souls from their eyes. Wow. Okay. As parent, a role that doesn't come with training, let's be mm. honest. And we always want to show up to be our best, but we are more than a parent, obviously, to keep the house running, etc. How do you deal with all your various roles in life? Mm, that's a great question. I think I mentioned before, right now, my roles, I'm not in a, in a relationship, intimate relationship, so I don't have that role right now. A mother, I'm a daughter. I'm staying with my mom right now. We, uh, together during COVID. I don't know if you know this, but I, experienced quite a devastation a year ago yesterday. I There was a fire. I was living in Oregon and there was a huge fire. And so it burned everything that I owned. Oh, my so, God. Um, I know that. So sorry. Yeah. So that was, that was a huge opportunity. And I say that because loss can be liberating yeah. if you can see what it's been preventing you from, yes. from doing. What's yeah. behind the new door? So anyway, so I'm very actively a daughter right now. And then I'm an active cousin right now because my mother has her first cousin, who's my second cousin, and my first, oh, my only first cousin on my mom's side live here. And so these are people I haven't been in my sphere in quite yes. some time. And then I'm a friend and a mentor and an entrepreneur and a co-parent with an ex-husband. How do I do all these roles? Well, the first thing is I look at my energy and I know who depletes it and who, who energizes me. Yes. And so I'm very selective about how much time the ones that deplete me or squander my energy get. I love that because lots of people don't. It's, a, it's an empty, it's a black hole. It's never going to be enough. Yes. Which 
if you keep giving, you're going to feel defeated. So, But you destroy yourself. That's why I wrote my book, I Choose Me, and my podcast is You Choose You Now, because I'm absolutely. going against my stories that putting yourself first is selfish because it's not. Look no, after yourself a, and then you can be a full cup for everybody else. There's a great book. It was out of print for a while. It's called The Art of Selfishness. Mm-hmm. Not selflessness. Yes. But it talks about how actually be, being selfless is the most selfish act. But one of the things I do, is, like I said, I, I'm more conscious of how much energy is going where and in terms of the return of my investment. I know that can sound cold, but that's not what I mean. So I'll put it in another, in another way. Think of yourself as a room, right? Mm-hmm. A room and you let people in this room yes. and you're spending time with them. Sometimes that time can feel so fleeting, right? The energy that you get with that person can either leave the room darker and colder or it illuminates it. Mm -hmm. And so my feeling is I want to feel like the room is illuminated long after we leave the room, yeah. like long after. And it's just really important. And that I know I'm in the right company when I don't want it to end. Yes. No, it's it's true. But that's the joy that spreads the energy because our energy doesn't introduce itself to people. And as you say, when you leave somebody, their energy is still with you for another three, four hours. So when when I'm doing something with people who I know are going to deplete me, I will literally say to them before we get together, because let's face it, there are some people we... We have mm-hmm. obligations to spend time yes, with. Yes. I will say, you know what? I have two hours on da 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 da, and about twenty minutes before that two hours is over, I'm just to say, oh my gosh, the time is because I have to keep that commitment to myself. Yes, but do you know what I, I call that? It's conscious connection. Yep, and it is so vital, and we're not taught mm-hmm. that as children. Well, all the people in my immediate sphere right now have no interest in talking about anybody but themselves. Yeah. So that's very depleting. So you can, you know, like if Amanda's at the table and Amanda will say, oh, I had this great day today. I had this one student in my class was so excited about to end. And immediately somebody will interrupt you and say, oh, I had something exciting happen today. Yes. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's that yeah. kind of thing. Yes. So that can get <laughs> exhausting <Tied> very quickly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> such good advice for people be conscious of who you're surrounding with yourself with and who you're spending your time with because your time and you are valuable now limiting beliefs which i think you overstepped as with that creative imagination of yours as a child but they do create patterns in our lives and as fact as you said earlier look you're working as a branding behind a successful person which i thought was quite funny Mm -hmm. how do they create the patterns in our lives do you think and how can we let go of them especially if they're not serving us in our new awareness? Well, the first thing I would have to say is there's one thing you can count on. This is so true. There are no good limiting beliefs. So there's no no no. reason to hang on to any of them. Throw them out with the garbage, people. (laughs) I know you're attached to them, but you don't need them. They keep us in our place. You know how like when you're little and you get in trouble? And they'd say, go sit in the corner. Yeah. That's what our limiting beliefs do. It is. It's actually like the shame. Go sit in the corner and I'll tell you when you can come out and play again. 
I, again, I, I guess I'm just a very visual person. So I don't know where I came up with this little system, but in all of uh, the parents can relate to this. You know, when you take your child to the pediatrician yes. when they're little and they have that little growth chart. Yeah. Oh, your child's on the 80th percentile for this and the 60th percentile of that, right? If you think of yourself in your own growth chart, if you hang on to those limiting beliefs, they're going to stunt that chart. They're going to stunt yeah. your growth. Wow. Now, so think of it because you can actually see that. Would you ever wish that on your on child? Your child? Would you ever? It and yet be... you're doing it to your own inner child, aren't you? Yep. And so you want to visualize this arc that keeps that. It doesn't shoot right up, but just gradually you're growing yes. and you're growing and you're getting better and better. You're not doing you know, like an up electric down. cardiogram, like <laughs> up and down. You know, it's, it's very nice and curved. So I once charted the events in my life and the pattern that I saw was that I was going through some adversity. Something was happening every three years. First, I thought it was every five years. And then I really, I literally wrote, wrote shit down and mm. I... I realized that I traced it all the way back and, you know, and discovered that there was adversity in my life from birth every three years. Wow. I was unconsciously mm-hmm. keeping that pattern going. going. Once uh, you tracked yeah. it, what happened then? Well, this is very recently. I mean, that, okay. that fire last year, it torched my past, which let, let me let loose. Okay. And I did a lot of, I did some trauma work. I did some energy shifting work, some subconscious work. It was, it was incredible. And I had done a lot of work on myself, but there were some patterns of, I was, I'm very good at adversity, understandably, because I've had a lot of it, right? So it doesn't frighten me. And I just, I was having a chat with my therapist the other day and she said, you know what? God bless you. She said, when adversity strikes you, she says, it lights a fire in you. She says, no, no pun intended, but she says, it just lights you up. Like yeah. you just get busy and get going. I have, I am much more conscious about creating opportunity versus adversity and having that same got to get to it yes. energy yeah. instead of the escapism. And you've used the word opportunity twice. The previous time you used it, some people would have used a negative word to, you know, bring the energy down. But opportunities, miracles, they're all possible. And I think in changing our language, you are shifting patterns because our language is a pattern in its own mm-hmm. that we're not even aware of, you know, because mine was fault and blame. Oh, that just rolled off my tongue so easily being Irish Catholic. And I just use the word responsibility now. And it just shifts the whole story away from it now. Because it's not pulled down in those awful emotions that I didn't like and I rejected and yet hung on to at the same time. People find comfort in in smoking really terrible cigarettes. I mean, it's, you know, we find comfort in the things that are harmful too. And it's also those words. And it's so interesting, you know, I mean, one of my favorite books in the world is the thesaurus for this very reason. You can, you can choose a non-triggering word. Yes. It's really interesting when I brought my daughter home to Michigan to meet my grandmother for the first time. I'll never forget. I told my mother this not that long ago. And she said, no, she didn't say that. I'm like, yeah, she did. 
She wrung her hands together the way you, like when you expect somebody to look at a 10 month old to say, Oh, what a beautiful baby. And she wrung her hands and she said, Oh, good. Somebody new to blame. But you know what? I think, um, this is me being compassionate. That's how she was brought up and she didn't know any other way to express it. No, I don't think any parent, any person goes out of their way to mess anybody up. No. I think that everybody is just in, you know, I, th- I think about, you know, our our tendency is to self, for self-preservation. Yeah, it's protection. Our nervous and, system is geared for protection. And yet we're built for connection. Yeah. And it's, you know, millions of years of evolution. We've done this to our bodies. And it's now open up your eyes and shoes. Yeah, yeah. suddenly we're supposed to know how to do this, right? Yeah. It mm. takes time to heal. But I'm ready to deal with it now. I wasn't then. And that's fine. And I'm not yeah. going to make judgments on that. Yeah, you gotta, we really have to accept where we are because you can't, I mean, that's like taking an advanced class or a PhD class before you have even taken the prerequisite. I mean, we have to do this in stages or otherwise you won't hear what you need to hear. No. We no. only hear when, what we can hear when can, we're can, ready. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You only hear what you need to hear or what you're capable of hearing at the time. Because I, I've been on the program now for two years and some things that I haven't heard that before. And this is, I've been saying it for years, but I wasn't <laughs> ready to hear it then. Oh, Interesting. Yeah. Being more open. And, and I know that me letting go of my stories that it has to be right because I'm holding my hands up. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I can hold that one up. I used to love being right. And I've given it up and it's, life is so much simpler. I used to equate success with struggle. Yes. So, that, you know, that was my excuse. Also, this whole pattern of adversity, adversity is a big project, right? You can feel creative and productive and you're reaching goals when you're clearing up mess. Yeah. I made mess a career and I just decided, wait, 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 I'm not getting any closer to what I want. And I've gotten the PhD in this mess stuff. Sure. I don't need to take, I don't need to do that anymore. But I think, as you said, it's finding the clarity. And you helped me with that myself when we did the core values. I took away the values that I inherited from other people that I think looked good. Let's be honest, as human beings, we like to look good. And I really don't care what people think about me. Now, I'm doing me. I'm going to look after my family and my community and the people I care about and whoever wants to meet me. And that's it. And influence has a great ripple effect. Sometimes I think our we go on, we want to do the global impact, but really, if you just start in your... No, start start in mm-hmm. your environment, as you said. You choose the people around you and grow from there, and anything is possible. Now, why is accepting all emotions important? We're having a laugh here, and I love that. But, you know, I talked about shame and guilt, which I didn't like, but I've accepted them now, and they're fine, and there's nothing wrong with them, actually. It was just stories I built up about yeah. them that made them look bad for want of a word I don't know uh-huh. that word but why do we need to accept all emotions especially as parents you know when we're managing our children why is that important when you say accept all oh, I want to just add one little thing about letting go of limiting beliefs too come into your own life as like the prosecuting attorney and the defense attorney so when you start to believe things about yourself Mm-hmm. self-doubt or whatever ask yourself where's the proof and try to prove your case look for the evidence and if you can't find it 
now come in as the defense attorney and and present the opposite. I would do that. I would make my children do that, but they'd say, I'm not good at this. And I said, really? How do you know that? Where's yeah. your proof? You need to. Okay. So you're, this is your argument. Win this case, we're yeah. in a court case. Yeah. Convince me. Wow. And they, they, they couldn't. And I would say, so what about the time just yesterday when you told me so-and-so said that it complimented you? What about this? What about this? What about this? And it's like yeah. all of a sudden, because we don't save the good proof. We no. just hang on to the oh, negative emotion. Yeah. You can hear, hear 10 good things, but you just hang on to the one bad thing or negative I thing. made my uh, daughter, you know, those big five gallon water jugs. Yes. I made her every day come home from school. This is going to make me cry. I had her write down three things every day, a compliment she got, I don't know, something good. And yeah. I made her put them in the jug. And four years later, when she left for college, she had to empty it and read every one of them. Oh, that's beautiful. You know, we don't, we don't keep track of how many times we hear things. That's why one of my questions in my thing yeah. that you did is, yeah. you know, what is the compliment or thing that you've been told over and over again, even if you don't believe it, even yes. if you didn't le let it stick? Yeah. It's about acknowledging. Yeah. Absolutely. And so moving on to the emotion things, why are they important now? So uh, do you, when you say that, do you mean like acknowledging our resentments, our fears, our... Well, just allowing them to be rather than saying, well, I don't want to feel that way or that's wrong and I shouldn't look like that because of how you might show up. So, you know, I had to think that I was a bit nervous of angry people. So I made anger wrong. Mm. And it's not anger, it's just anger, actually. But I didn't realize that as a child. So I made a big story about it. Well, the, the one thing I've learned in my own exploration and raising children too, and you would know this because mm -hmm. you're a good observer, we never have one emotion no. solely at a time, ever, mm. ever. So I, I view things, you can see I'm such a metaphor person, but I view emotions like tubes of paint you know why why would i want to only paint directly from the tube why wouldn't i want to mix my own yes. colors and just paint, paint paint a canvas rather than painting myself in a corner <laughs> you know why why wouldn't i want to just let all the possibilities shine now we've all got good memories and some of them are more dialed up and i think it's important to do some introspection and go back like do a visualization to a time when you felt jubilation so that you know what that feels like. Yes. I felt that way. My chest feels yes. expanded and my you know, cheeks feel flush or whatever. Like get re become really, really acquainted with each of those emotions. Mm -hmm. Because then when they get mixed with other things, you go, oh, there's pride in there. Yes. A little dab of that. fear yes. Yes. and embarrassment or it, there's a lot of, it's very, very colorful. And I think it's important because you can't have a full experience if you only allow yourself. And people are in denial. And then when people say, oh, I'm frustrated. No, no, no. That, that's, that's anger. And that's covering something else up. Yeah. That's what I've realized. I mean, that's why with the mood munches, fears jitter. But then I've got anxiety is a different color of the purple. And they're all tones of the purple. But there's so many, you know, frustration. They're all different. Yeah. Just a little twinge on the emotion. But as you said, and I love that, paint your life as a canvas. Have a colourful life and accept all the colours. 
Well, I mean, all your characters, I mean, they don't want to live in isolation, right? Oh, Even no. emotions They're like in a family. hang out together. Yeah. <laughs> They're family, right? Yeah. So, Come on. I mean, it's not like anger is like all by itself, just looking for other angry members. No, you know? no, it's no. Like, you you need all of it the, to make yeah, it interesting. But don't reject anybody or any emotion. That's what I've realized. Because there's no good or bad. They're just all just emotions to be felt. And we are human beings and we're meant to feel and see yeah. them. And that's I just fine. had a visual of like all your munch- mood munches. M- mood <laughs> munches. I'm, I'm seeing them sort of seated at a, a dining table, you know, like with the name name plates in front of them and it's like depending sometimes you get seated next to this emotion and sometimes you get seated next to that emotion and you can't choose who you're sat next to yes they're lovely so the the, the blue and the purple are hanging out there they're hugging that's jitters fear and shame and blue who's sadness they're all hanging out in the corner and then judgment and anger are sitting up in the top row of so, course, judging judging everyone. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, you know, they change positions and that's fine. It's just how it is. They can change positions. We can too. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think, it's, I think the most important thing to notice about our emotions is when they become tools for self-harm. Mm-hmm. Then, then I think it's important to reach out. And I think I also told you, I think emotions also reflect stories in our life. And you wouldn't want to limit your stories. I mean, they're all very rich. Yes. So it's really important. I think I told you about the emojis that I made. This yes, is before I computers and yes. before yeah, the emoji magnets on the refrigerator. And kids recognize how they feel. Mm. They do. Probably better than adults almost. Oh totally, because they're closer to source and their purity. Yeah. To expose the listeners, you made your own emotions as magnets and your children just to them and say, Look, this is how I'm feeling today, Mom, and then you could discuss it. And that's the yep. exact reason I've made the move munches, which I want to go global, so that parents have a tool that I they can that. use and talk through. Because if we started talking about our emotions and our thoughts, because emotions happen first, then it triggers a thought, and then that triggers a behavior, we could change the world. How do we find clarity and purpose as parents? Oh, I think there's just one simple rule. Be the parent you wish you had. <gasps> Because my I mean, parents, I mean, they were lovely and I was really close to them before they passed. But as a child, they were just busy and they were never there. And I didn't feel safe. Yeah. My son went into hospital because, you know, as a teenager, I don't need your mommy. But then he was ill. And, you know, they change when they're ill. And I just kept saying to him, I see you. I hear you. I'm here for you. I'm not going anywhere. I love you. And that's all I kept repeating to him. Mm-hmm. And what happened after that experience, I came out and I pulled my eyes out for two days and I realized I'd been healing my own inner wounds, telling him what I had needed to hear as a child. Oh, that is so beautiful that you figured that out. Mm. Sometimes we don't hear ourselves, do we? No. We don't hear what we need to hear. No. <laughs> and it's so different with young men. They need to reject their mothers in order to embrace their manhood. Mm-hmm. And I remember telling my son, you really don't need to make me bad or wrong yes. for you to be a man. Totally. And uh, he figured that out. I still have the card he wrote to me about a year later. There's just two, there's that. And then um, a great lesson I learned from, I can't think of their names right now. They wrote their husband and wife team. They wrote how to raise a son and how to raise a daughter. I went, I got every parenting book, Yes. And I went to so many conferences 
basically, but that's how I am about all, all things. Yes. I got to learn how. But what they taught me is be very, very careful not to kill the will of your child. So if your child is argumentative or if your child is very willful, try to imagine that person all grown up and what would that characteristic be good for in a particular career. Do not snuff that out. It has, it has tremendous, it's a gift. Yeah. It might be aggravating as hell as a parent. But it's got a purpose. Mm-hmm. And a future. I mean, my mother tells me today, she says, you were so determined. She said, and tenacious. And she said, and you are fearless. You just walked up to anybody. You talked to, I'm still like that. She yeah. said, you are just the same thing. But it scared her. Yes. Because it wasn't any it, part of her. No, no, she was a very anxious parent. And yes. it just is like she didn't feel like she had the capacity to protect me from what might happen if. Sure. sure. So I was wrong in that if I went too far. So just try to imagine your child. What would that be good for? I mean, if acquisitive child, child, I mean, maybe I should have been an Oprah. You know, maybe I should have been yeah. interviewing yeah, yeah, people. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I can see you as that. Totally. How can listeners connect with you? Oh, you can find me on Instagram at Gwen Wilcox. And my name is spelled G-W-E-N-N-E-W-I-L-C-O-X. So Instagram at Gwen Wilcox. My website is GwenWilcox.com. Or you can hit me up on Calendly.com mm-hmm. uh, backslash Gwen Wilcox slash Clarity hyphen call. Amazing. Now, just to finish off, what one golden nugget can you leave our listeners with today? Okay, there's three parts. I've already shared the about how you recognize your gift when you say, yes. I don't know, I, that's how I just do it. But pay close attention, become acquainted with real fear, take yourself to a scary movie or do on a scary ride so that you don't create artificial fear in your life to prevent you from living the life you want and then make creative thought a discipline yes i love creative thought you've just inspired me to be creative because it is within us when i can't i'm thank you from the bottom of my heart you have been inspiring you've been knowledgeable you've been funny it's just beautiful who you are is beautiful and the tips just that's all I can say <laughs> well I can't wait to listen to this back because you know sometimes you just you're in the moment yes just, absolutely but I, I've just I'm excited totally enjoyed every moment so thank you for your time thank you for your wisdom carry on being beautiful and we will speak again soon embrace yourself yes. I'm here for you Amanda thank you bye-bye Sharing our stories, being vulnerable, being open, being authentic, is how we heal ourselves, but also help others. I hope you've enjoyed listening to the guests today, and maybe taken away a message they've shared that means something to you. This is your host, Amanda Hill-Ryle, looking forward to being with you next time.